investigative journalist Molly Barrows. For years, I've covered the stories that made headlines in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Murders. Missing persons. And mysteries of all kinds. These cases are far from over for many victims because the full story has yet to surface. Join me for Gulf Coast Confidential, where I dive into the saltier side of the South and expose the lies, greed, and corruption that often weighs down the truth. It's time to turn the tide and get a shot at justice. Hi, I'm investigative journalist Molly Barrows. I've been covering crime in Florida's panhandle for years. Welcome to my series, Gulf Coast Confidential. From murders to mysteries, I explore some of the saltier stories that surface in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf of Mexico. My co-host is Pam Hill. She can relate to a lot of these cases I talk about here on Gulf Coast Confidential. Pam's sister, Sharon Adelot, was murdered by her own son on Christmas Eve in 2013. Dealing with Sharon's death and the ongoing aftermath, Pam is now a grief and loneliness researcher as well as a pharmacist. So Pam, as always, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And this episode is called Trash or Treasure, The Baby in the Dumpster, and has a special place in your heart because this actually happened to you. Yeah. Aside from just the horrific murder of your sister, which made international headlines, mm -hmm. you've had a number of events in your life that have just been out of the ordinary. Your father dated the Black Widow, Judy mm -hmm. Buenoano. In fact, if you'd like to catch that episode on Gulf Coast Confidential, you can learn more about what happened with her dad's relationship with Judy Buenoano and the Black Widow. You can also hear more about what happened to Sharon Adelot in the episodes Mommy Killer 1 and 2. And here's yet another story that literally you were a part of and made headlines. Tell us about it. It happened on Labor Day weekend, just mm -hmm. like we are having right now. Right. Labor Day, 1995. I was moving back to Birmingham. I have family in Birmingham and family in Pensacola. And I was cleaning out my townhouse over in Fox Run here in Pensacola. And my sister Sharon was with me. She was pregnant with Brandon and my friend Stella. And they were helping me move. Well, Sharon was getting hungry because she was pregnant, and she was like, let's go get me something to eat right now. I'm hungry. And I was like, you're always hungry. Can you wait just one second while I go throw this stuff in the dumpster? And she's like, sure, whatever. So we're there. and At the I, dumpster? At the dumpster. And I go to throw the last little bags away that I'd cleaned out the house so you can leave it where the next person can move in. And I hear a noise like a cat, like a meow type thing. And we aren't allowed to have pets in the uh, townhouses where I lived. And I thought, well, maybe that's just over there. Maybe someone has a cat. And so I'm kind of afraid of animals if someone's not there to help me with them. Uh, but my sisters and family always help me with them. But I thought I heard it. Then I thought I heard something in the dumpster. And I thought, even if that is a cat and they're in the dumpster, I have to help them out. And so uh, my friend Stella was with me. I couldn't get, I could have gotten the dumpster, but I couldn't got myself out. I said, Stella, come here. Can I put you in the dumpster? And she, she said, She is small. She is small and she's cooperative. So she said, Sure. I put her in there and I saw something moving around in the dumpster. Wow. And I said, Stella, hand me that. And she hands me a bag. And what was the bag? Was it a it trash bag? It was just bag? a trash bag. Like a white one or a black yeah, one? Yeah, white one. Well, this one didn't have anything open. It just had trash in it. Then I kept hearing the meow or the cry. And I said, hand me that. Then the third thing I asked her to hand me, I picked it up. And it was heavy. 
like that. So I set it down, and it was moving. So I thought, if this is a cat, I still need to open this. And, you know, I didn't want Sharon to get scratched. She's pregnant. Stella's in the dumpster. And I just have to do what I have to do. So Stella was still in the dumpster. Mm -hmm. She hands you the bag, and you put the bag on the ground in front of the dumpster. Right. And I, I put it in the dirt there. I open it. I open one trash bag, the white ones, like the hefty bags we use, 13 gallon. Then there's another one. Then there's another one. Then I see bloody towels mm. in there, like spa towels wrapped so tight. So uh, I don't have gloves or anything. I'm just, I'm basically o- operating on adrenaline. So I open that, unroll that, then another one, then the third one. And I see a beautiful baby girl still attached to the placenta. And she's blue. She's barely moving. Her lips were so blue. She had the mucus and all the afterbirth and everything all over her. And she was still nourishing the placenta, and nothing was coming back to her. So I yelled for Sharon. Sharon saw this. She's standing there pregnant with Brandon. Wow. She's screaming, what do we do? What do we do? I said, call 911. Go to someone's house. Get me some scissors and string and have someone call 911. Get us some help. So I'm on my knees, and I sweep her mouth with my fingers to get the mucus and stuff out of her mouth, and I wipe her face off, and I put my mouth over her nose and mouth and have to suction out all that stuff. And then she kind of took a little small, like that, Oxygen. Yeah. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But I knew that wasn't going to last if we did not get her cut from the placenta. So Sharon comes over there with the scissors and string. And so I thought I'm fixing to cut her umbilical cord. So I did. But during the time there, I had a crazy thought, just as I have thoughts sometimes. I thought, let me cut her umbilical cord out just a little ways so the doctor can fix it and make sure she has a pretty belly button, you know? See, that's the kind of thing a woman thinks of. Yeah, and I thought that, and the second I caught, I I tied the string first, then I cut the belly button out, like almost like the uh, stem on a pumpkin, and uh, she wiggled around some more, and she started crying, and I um, held her next to me. We were both bloody, and her little lips were on my face right here, and I... um, nuzzled her and held her. I laid on my back, and I laid her on top of me. On the ground. Mm -hmm. And I remember the rocks under me for a nanosecond, and then I looked at the sky, the beautiful hot sky on Labor Day 1995, and I um, said, thank you, God. And then I had a thought. I said, who would do this? And then I said to myself, I can't think about that right now. She's here. So after that, people started coming around and helping. Did you get Stella out of the dumpster? Yes, eventually we got Stella out of the dumpster. I think Sharon did. And um, then the police came, and uh, they kind of set me down on the ground kind of hard, right against the tire. And I was in my 30s then. Uh, set me down and started asking me all kind of questions, hard questions. And I'm like— Like that was your baby yeah. or you had Yeah, and I'm like, something? I got blood all over me, and no. And— uh, then they started canvassing the area because they said they thought maybe it was a college student that had a baby and someone helped her do all that wrapping and doing because they said if we hadn't have found her right then, not even a f- another minute or two, because it was so hot. It's Labor Day. Well, it's unbelievable to me that she was even making those noises and was alive. I, three bags, three towels, 
that was that baby was meant to live. She was, and she was so beautiful, and she just was just so sweet. And I got to hold her for a minute until the police got there, and they kind of snatched her away from me. And um, did the, did an ambulance come? By the way, because I'm picturing yeah. all this in my mind, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking they're setting you in the ground, they're interrogating you. Mm-hmm. What's happening to the baby right. at that time? Right. And I was a little more um, timid. Than I am now. Well, it's a crazy situation yeah. too, and and police are authority figures, and mm-hmm. and you know we're taught to to obey officers. Right, friendly. and I'm like, let's find out what's going on here, not for punishment. That never our judgment. That never went in my mind, except mm-hmm. for that nanosecond. Who would do this? And then I just thought somebody that was desperate, probably, and uh, that's all I thought of that. But after that. Uh, Sharon came over and started talking to the police. She had more of her wits about her than I did. And so they take the baby away. And then the next thing, I'm at my house just walking around in my yard, and some news people from, I think, Channel 3. Yes, I remember when the story was being reported. Yeah. I wasn't working for them at the time, but I remember when it happened. And they came to my house, and I didn't want to say too much because I didn't know what I felt or other than I was just so elated the baby was okay. And I didn't want them to make it about— anything else other than this baby's alive, Mm -hmm. you know, because those kind of things, things can get lost. The good things can get lost in some of the weeds, I guess. So anyway, I go in my house and I'm not normal. I can't hardly talk to my family. I mean, my family wants to talk to me, but I I didn't have the wherewithal. My mom came and stayed with me and uh, stayed with me for many days. But then a professor emeritus from UWF called me. And she said, have you got to hold the baby? And I said, at the time, because she knew about it somehow. Well, and then I called Sacred Heart to see if they would let me hold her. And they couldn't or wouldn't or something. But anyway, this particular professor worked it out where I could go up there. And she said, if anybody's going to hold this baby, you are, as long as you need to. Wow. So she made that happen for me. And that just shows how feelings and stuff. I've been a scientist my whole adult life, and I love my feelings and stuff, but I haven't always known how to label them or what to do with them sometimes. But I think that professor, that was the beginning of me honoring my feelings and asking for what I need, even if it's just a small thing, like I need help. Well, and what a blessing. I can't help but feel like it was a God wink. Not only was it more than a God wink that you were out there at that moment and the three of you basically rescued that baby mm-hmm. in the nick of time, that it was also a God wink that that professor saw the heart of what was happening and that there were human beings involved. Mm-hmm. Not only was this baby's life saved, but it was saved by this particular woman. Mm-hmm. And this particular woman has invested emotionally and, and for lack of a better way to put it, deserves the opportunity to see the fruits of that labor mm-hmm. because the the true mother, the biological mother, I should say, saw the fruit of her labor, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively, on Labor Day weekend. Mm. And for whatever reason, I judge not. Right. I understand that can be a tremendously, terribly scary and painful experience if it's an unwanted pregnancy, which mm-hmm. it would certainly seem to be safe to say mm-hmm. that they would put that baby in the dumpster. But you you save that child and the fruit of that labor you deserve to have a chance to see that baby. I loved holding her, and uh, I just rocked her, and it was nice. And I think about if that professor hadn't have thought ahead, I mean, how would my life have been? What kind of trauma? The trauma from my sister's murder um, I deal with probably the rest of my life. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes. We don't honor certain things as that was traumatic and get help 
and deal with it. Had I not been arguing with Sharon about lunchtime, I wouldn't have found the baby. Right. You know, and— had you not had Stella had to I help, had Stella, it would have been a little bit harder to get into mm-hmm, the dumpster. Right, so it all happened right. quickly. Everybody was there. And, I mean, we all remember that. Sharon remembered it. And tomorrow is Labor Day. I will be driving back to Birmingham tomorrow. Every Labor Day, I think of this beautiful little girl. She was beautiful. She had black hair. She was a Caucasian baby. And her little body was—she was— she was strong-looking little baby, and I think about her, and I pray to God that she's having a good life. I heard that she got adopted by a family, a family that wanted a baby, and I hope she never knows that she was found in a dumpster. No kidding. But this child is celebrating a 28th birthday Mm -hmm. on Labor Day? Labor Day birthday, girl. That's wonderful. Did you see the color return to her face? I did. I did. I saw it was magic. I've never had a baby. And I think some people that have had a baby see those miracles and stuff. And thank God I had training from pharmacy school and stuff. We don't learn all that kind of stuff. But my mom was a nurse. I'd heard my mom talk about things. My mom had taught me stuff. I learned stuff in college and biology and anatomy and physiology and stuff. And it, I wasn't scared. I, like I said, I hesitated a minute. I went, I guess I got a little vein there for her. I'm like, I want you to have a pretty belly button. We live in Florida. <laughs> you know? No kidding. Well, and I, I think too about that time, 1995, um, you know, I'm younger than you are, but mm-hmm. we still kind of grew up in that same area era when AIDS with a, a thing. I remember mm-hmm. back in the 1980s when Rock Hudson died of AIDS, and then suddenly it was all over the news. Everybody was talking about mm-hmm. it, and nobody knew a lot about it. And even by 1995, that stigma had not go- gone away. No. So to to put your mouth on, even though it was a baby, mm-hmm. that a baby with all these bodily fluids oh, on yeah. it was a, was a risky move. Oh, yeah. It was. I didn't stop to think about it at all. I think I had a nanosecond of—but, I mean, I can't get a mouth— guard. I can't get gloves. This baby is in distress. She was very blue. Her little lips were purple. Mm, It just hurts my heart. And police never did find the mother, Mm -mm. the biological mother. No, they never did. They canvassed and they were there uh, going through the neighborhood because where I live there is a lot of students and people that I had talked to said they thought maybe it was a college student that didn't want to tell her parents that she was pregnant. Well, it's an out-of-the-way neighborhood Mm -hmm. in a part of town that is beautiful. It's a little more rural, but uh, it's busy enough. It's not far from the University Mm -hmm. of West Florida. But you would have to know where that dumpster is. It's not like you would just be driving along a main road, spot a dumpster behind a convenience Mm -hmm. store or business, and then swing by and, and... you know, toss it in, right. you would have to know where that dumpster is. Right. You would have to be familiar with that right. neighborhood to know where to put that baby. Right. I've been to that dumpster probably thousands of times because it is one for our properties there, and it's not for everybody's use. So you're right. And that, uh, just that quietness. And then I thought to myself that I'm thankful to God that he let me hear that what I thought was a meow. Oh, my gosh. I know. That, to me, was so powerful, the fact that that baby was even able to make any noise. (laughs) And it probably, in some ways, maybe it was a blessing that the placenta bag was still attached. Maybe that—I know that the baby was nourishing, Mm -hmm. that it was not getting anything in return, Mm -hmm. but perhaps it did provide a little additional layer of protection just in those, you know, minutes that you needed to be able to save that child. She is beautiful. Well, and what a miracle, too, that that your attempts at resuscitation 
worked. Yeah. I mean, how awful and traumatic would it have been for you to find that baby mm. and then have that child not mm-hmm. make it? Mm-hmm. To me, that just, again, it was meant to be, and the Lord put you in the right place at the right time. But even for Sharon to be there, pregnant with mm-hmm. a child that sadly would grow up later to murder her. Uh, I think about that all the time, and because she loved Brandon so much. We prayed for him before he was even here. Yes. We we prayed him into existence. Yeah. We asked God. She had a very difficult pregnancy with him. And I told her, I said, God told me he was going to be okay. I called her at two in the morning one night. And she said, she said, thank you for that. And I said, Sharon, just believe because I believe. And then for him to take a different path, grow up to kill her. Because Sharon was so excited and celebratory of the baby. Sharon's like, I'll take that baby. So that baby would be you know, close to Brandon's age or Mm -hmm. that child. She's a little older than Brandon because Brandon was born in February of the next year. Wow. So she was just newly pregnant Mm -hmm. then. Yeah, she was. And she was hungry. I don't blame her. She wanted to go eat. She always wanted to go to the boarding house. That's what she liked, that place. How often do you think about that little girl? I think of that little girl every time I take the trash bag out of my kitchen trash because the feel of it, it's the same kind of bag, and every time I tie it, I think about her being in there. So every time I take my trash out. Oh, my gosh. Well, and it's interesting. Like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, this isn't the first time you've been connected to a headline-making case. I remember when that baby was discovered, there were it made the headlines on the Pensacola News Journal. It was covered by our local TV stations. It was, you know, and everybody was happy. It was a happy story. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a rescue yeah. that, you know, people could feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everybody can rally around a story mm-hmm. like that and, and celebrate the outcome. But the other two stories that you were involved in, very dark, mm-hmm. Judy Buonioagno. Mm-hmm. And again, if you haven't listened to the Black Widow episode, you need to check it out because that's a, another powerful story to me just about relationships and listening to your gut and the red flags that come along with dealing with psychopaths, basically. And and essentially, that's what happened with Sharon, too. Her son was diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, but there were a lot of extenuating circumstances leading up to that, in my opinion, and I think you feel the same way. It's not just a case of mental illness mm-hmm. in black and white. He heard voices and he killed his mother. There were a lot of other factors mm-hmm. that perhaps went into why he heard those voices, whose voices he heard, why mm-hmm. he decided to go after the one person that was actually trying to get him help. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so how do you feel about being connected to all of these headline-making cases? We're both faith-filled mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know, we all believe that, we both believe that things happen for a purpose. What do you think is the purpose in you being connected to these stories, these headline-making stories? I think about that. And my parents divorced when I was young. And my mother, her whole goal in life was for us to be happy and for us to have peaceful lives. And that's what she gave us, you know, except when these things come up, I'm like, I try on purpose to have a peaceful life. I try on purpose not to get in chaos and this, that, and the other. I believe what I believe, and I believe in justice and things like that. But I've thought about it, and I'm like, this is a path. These are paths that God has allowed to happen in my life. And He has allowed me to see that through these traumas and these unfortunate situations— 
that He's always with me. He's always with us. He uses everything for His good. And that I can't control it. And I can't just say, I believe in you, God, when everything's wonderful for me and let me have a charmed life. So I don't have a charmed life. I have a good life. And I have a life that Christ is leading me through the things that happen. And I... There's sometimes I just think, well, maybe I just need to stay in my house, you know, because like, but I'm not the person that's not going to live her life. And I'm not the person that's going to shy away when something is not right. If something's not right, I'm going to be convicted about it. And I all all I have to do is the next right thing. Sometimes we have to go through unfortunate, difficult things. But if we're doing the next right thing, God guides us through that. Well, those were the things that went through my mind listening to you talk about this story um, were two things. One is that scripture, all things work together for mm-hmm. good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And then also the fact that you are that person that does try to do the right thing. He could have put those situations in the path of other people who could have taken it down a different direction. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're the type of person that will do what's right, will, will take the hard road, even if it's even if it is harder because mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I've thought about it. Believe me, I've thought about it. Just like stay home for a little while. Stuff's happening to you. But it, it, it's, it's, it feels good to do what's right. It does. And is that your takeaway? My takeaway is when God puts you somewhere, He's putting you there to use the gifts and talents that you have. Uh, thank goodness I knew how to do CPR. Thank goodness uh, Stella was willing to get in the— to be the little Lumpster. Cirque du Soleil performer yeah, yeah, and jump in there. Yeah. And, and thank God Sharon was the helper and went and got uh, scissors and twine. He puts everything—he can put things together so much better than we can. There's an Ephesians 3.20 world. Anything that we can think or imagine, he can He can do better. Yes, and he is such a nick of time kind of mm-hmm. guy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I thought about that, too. Just the fact that the emergency responder said just a minute more and, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't have been there. But, you know— it, there have been so many times in my life where I've seen, you know, timing come together in different events or situations, maybe not so dramatic, mm-hmm. but I just sense that there is that presence there that the Lord's watching, that He's aware, and it, and He is all about His. It's about His perfect timing. Right, right. Don't give up before the miracle happens. Exactly. And in this case, this little girl, who's no longer a little girl, she's no. a young woman. Yes. And she is celebrating her 28th birthday because of a little argument by the dumpster. <laughs> yeah, a little argument with my baby sister. Somebody else's trash was another family's treasure. And as a result, she gets to live. And I and I pray for that that young woman that had the baby, too. And I know she's older now. Mm-hmm. But whatever, wherever life took her, I hope that she has found healing mm-hmm. from all of that experience. I can't imagine you go through life feeling, dodge that bullet. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to feel good about something no. like that. No. So, but anyway, thank you so much for sharing this story, Pam. And I know a lot of people on Labor Day, they're enjoying spending time with their families. And there's one family that has an additional member that they wouldn't have had, had it not from, been for the three of you. Oh. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Gulf Coast Confidential. I'm your host, writer and producer, Molly Barrows, with co-host, researcher, and miracle worker (laughs) extraordinaire, Pam Hill. And of course, a big thanks to our other miracle worker, director, editor, and production engineer, James Roy. You can listen to more of our Gulf Coast Confidential episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And you can also watch on the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.